friends are dismissed to junior church. That's grades one through six. And so if that's you, you can follow our children's workers back into the fellowship hall. And if you're here this morning with a young person, grades one through six, you are always welcome to join them in junior church if you want to see what that is all about. There's a retired preacher that a number of you probably have never met, but his name is Bob Crichton, and he kicks while he preaches. Any of you know Bob Crichton? A few of you know Bob Crichton? Well, he, he's, he's cut from a different cloth. He has, he almost looks like he's in the mafia, or he retired from the mafia. Anyway, he has this slick back. I don't know how much hair product he has. Slick back, snow white hair. He always wears a double-breasted, dark blue suit, white shirt, and... He, his, his preaching, he'll come to the side and he'll get real intense and he kicks while he preaches like this. And he's not as young as he used to be, so when he would do that, I get a little bit scared that he might, that he might hurt himself. But more than his preaching that stuck with me is how he talked with other people about Jesus Christ. When he would go and he would share his faith, I got to go with him and we would make visits on behalf of the church. And I have never heard anybody speak more naturally about Christ and the things of God than Bob Crichton. And afterward, and nothing flustered him. We went to visit this guy who came to the church. He came to the door. He was stoned out of his mind. And we visited him at his house. Didn't stop Bob one bit. I'm thinking, we better just leave because this isn't going to be a good conversation. Sure enough, he stayed there and he, he worked through it. And it was the most natural thing in the world. Uh, and I asked him, I said, how do you do that? And he said, when he spoke about Christ, he did it effortlessly because Christ was always on the tip of his tongue. The secret was to let the overflow of your heart pour into your speech. Let the overflow of your heart pour into your speech. And so it was something in his heart that made his mouth so quick to speak of the Lord. I want my life to matter. And I imagine you do as well. There comes a time in every person's life, man or woman, where you move from a stage of acquisition, trying to gain things and positions and money and whatever it might be, to from acquisition to significance. Something where you want to, to make a difference with your life. And not just temporarily, I want to make a difference with my life eternally. I want it to mean something. And we've been talking about making a difference this year. And if we want to see something different, we're going to have to do something different. If we want a different harvest, we need to plant different seed. And so to make a difference, we're going to have to do something different. We talked about it, making a difference in our walk with God, making a difference in our home life, in our church, and finally, as we head towards the end of the year, in our community. And we've been talking about salt and light. The greatest thing that I can do with my life, that anybody can do with their life, and by the way, I love what God has, has called me to do to be a pastor. There's nothing that I enjoy more. My second choice would be right now what Kate's job is. And she's got this newborn back there that she's holding, and he's asleep. That's my favorite kind of newborn, right? So I, that's, that's, that would be my second job this morning if I could choose it. But this isn't just for preachers. This isn't just for preachers. The two things we can do is to lead people to Christ and to see them become more like Christ. Those are the two greatest things we can do, and those are the ways in which God is glorified, in which he is lifted up, and he gets the credit, the glory that's due unto his name. So you may say, well, I want that too, but how do we get from here to there? How do we get from here to there? How do we help people come to know Christ? How do, them, how do we help them become more like Christ? And so we might ask ourselves, what is it that needs to take place, and, and how, do I, how do I actually carry this out? Well, we're going to begin with a single verse this morning that encapsulates what must happen, not just in my life, but in every life of every believer, 
that wants to make a difference. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 this morning. In Colossians chapter 4, in verse number 6, the word of God says this. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Let me read that once more. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Let's pray together. Father, we ask in this hour that you would bless your word. I don't have what anybody needs this morning, only you do, and so I pray that you would speak to us, speak through me, to your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a missionary church planter. He would travel from city to city, telling people about the gospel, seeing them baptized, seeing churches formed. And as he would do this, he would keep in touch with the churches that he had started or churches that he had heard of in order to help them when they went off track with doctrine, when they were dealing with struggles, when he just wanted to let them know that he was praying for them. And so the book of Colossians is actually one of Paul's epistles. It's one of his letters. It's more of a formal letter. That's what an epistle is. Of course, we know the author is the Holy Spirit, but he is the human penman. And he is writing this right now to the church in Colossae while he's in prison for preaching the gospel. And he's correcting some heresy that has been going on. And we begin here with the simple idea. We begin here with the simple idea in verse number six. Let your speech be always with grace. God cares about your speech. God cares about your speech. I had a really bizarre conversation with one of my friends. We were talking about Christ. And I tried to help him understand the idea of sin. And sin is whenever God says, uh, do this good thing, and, and we don't do it, that's sin. Or when God says, don't do this bad thing, and we do it anyway, that's sin. And I started to talk with him about examples and how you can lie and sin with your, your words and that. And he's like, oh, words aren't anything. They're just sound waves. They're just sound waves, and, and they might have meaning, they might not have meaning, but they're, they're and I'm like, this is getting weird, but he's talking, I'm like, that might be what they're made of, but that's not the significance of them. God actually cares how you speak. Some people might defend and say, well, I didn't actually do the thing I talked about. You know, people just talk like that. People just, they, they, they say what comes off their, the top of their head. Some people might say, I don't have a filter. You ever heard somebody say, I don't have a filter? Install one. <laughs> if you don't, you won't get along in this world very long or with very many people because we all think things we ought not say. But even if they never escape our mind, God still cares about what's going on on the inside. Words are powerful. Words are very powerful. Would you look in Proverbs 18 with me? In Proverbs 18, save your place here in Colossians 4, or Colossians 4, yeah, we'll be back. But in Proverbs 18, verse number 21, Proverbs 18, verse number 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You wouldn't be surprised if I said that perhaps death and life are in the power of the sword because you would say, yep, a sword could be used in order to take somebody's life or to defend somebody's life. But here, it's, it's not the sword, it's the tongue. It's the words, it's speaking. We can speak death, we can speak life. 
You might, you might wonder what those things are. It's not hard to imagine what speaking death is. It's tearing down, it's destroying, it's discouragement, it's using your words in a way that doesn't build up, but tear down. That, that's one of the things that I'm on repeat. My kids are going to be so sick of that by the time they get out of our house. I say we use our words to build people up, not tear people down, right? And I think we all need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that. But words are powerful, And these words, when we speak, according to Colossians chapter 4, these words need to be with grace, always with grace. What is grace? Well, it should be pleasant. It's unmerited favor. It's when when we speak well, do good, when we treat people well, even though they didn't earn it. Let's talk about God's grace for a second. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Meaning that you and I, if we have heaven as our home, we are not getting in on our own record. If anybody gets to heaven, it will be because the Lord Jesus Christ forgave them of their sins because they believed on him that he died for them and rose from the grave. No church will ever get anybody to heaven. No baptism will ever get anybody to heaven. No, no amount of good works, no giving. No lining up in the right party politically or financially or socially. No cause that you can champion will get you into heaven. Simply by faith in Jesus Christ can we get there. And why did God give us such salvation? We were the ones who did wrong. We were the ones who sinned. We broke the law against him. We rebelled against him. It's as though we shook our fist in his face and we said, you're not going to be the boss of us. I side with the devil. You say, when did I do that? When you sinned. When I sinned, when we chose to go our own way instead of God's way, when we chose to become little gods instead of allowing the Lord to be God, that's, that's when we sinned. But God, by his grace, because he is good, not because we are good, he saved us. That's important. Not because we are good, but because he is good. When we talk about gracious words, and we talk about pleasant words, and we talk about kind words, it's not about the person you're speaking to. It's about you. What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Well, each day we're making decisions that put us on one of many paths of the type of person we're going to be. And our words, no less than any other decision we make. I want to treat people well. I want to speak to them kindly. I want to be understanding. I want to be calm even when they're enraged. I want to be kind even when they're mean. I I want to do that, not because they deserve it and they're good, but because I want to be good like my Father in heaven. That's my desire. And when we're going to talk with people, we have to remember that they are sinners just like we're sinners. And they're not always going to behave well. I stopped getting upset a long time ago that lost people acted like lost people. I stopped getting upset a while ago about that. I, I don't expect any better because I most certainly didn't behave any better before Christ. And I have nothing to boast of. Everything I have has been given to me by Christ. All of my victories are his victories, right? Uh, it's, it's like I was the guy on the bench that never got played, but our team still won. Th- that's, that's what this is. And so when we speak with people and we're trying to be gracious with our words, we're doing it not for them, but for God. Not because they deserve it, but because we want to be the kind of people that are gracious like our Father. And the word that gets me the most in this, this verse back in Colossians 4 and verse 6 is always. Always. Think about always. When is always? 
You know what always means in the Greek? Always. Right? It means at all times, in all places, with all people, under all circumstances. What about when I'm not feeling good? That's still part of always. What about when I've had a bad day? And that's still part of always. What if I'm about to pull my hair out because of these children? <laughs> always. Always. And you know, at all times and all places, this is, this is one, of, one of the things that I don't think is unique to me. But if it is, you can get the deacons together and you can get a vote to get me out of here. Okay? But I don't think I'm going to be alone in this. We use our words the worst at home. We treat people at home in a way we would never treat our clients, our customers, our coworkers, because you can't get away with it there. But we think we can go home and we can put on the ugliest face and we can say all the things because all day I've been behaving. I've been surrounded by idiots all day long and I've kept my mouth shut. And now when I get home, I'm just going to let everybody know. Sorry, Pastor Steve, that was hypothetical. But we go home and then the words come out harsh and bitter. We should at least treat those in our household as well as we would treat somebody in, on the job site in a business meeting, one of our, our bosses. We should at least speak with the kindness and the grace at home. In fact, where is your greatest ministry? It's not here. It's at home. There is no place, no ministry in which you can do more harm or more good than in your home because in no place do you have more access to those people or have a closer connection to those people. There are people that tell me things and it just rolls right off of me because I don't have a close connection to them. How many of you remember when I shaved my head? Nobody? Oh, okay, there's a few people there. There's a few people. I kind of liked it. It was easy. And some people were like, oh, pastor, you got to grow that back. You got It's not time yet. It's not time yet. I, I, remember, I remember Chris Blumfeld's like, no, nah, it's not time yet. <laughs> I remember him telling me that. And I'm like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then my Grammy told me that I looked like a concentration camp survivor. <laughs> Grew my hair back. You know why? Because she had greater connection to me, and you have that in your home. And so part of all way, and though this message is talking about people outside of here, and the, mess and the type of... Of, of speech that we're talking about is about the gospel. This is most assuredly applicable at home. I love, by the way, when believers are generous with genuine praise. I love it when people are generous with genuine praise. There, there are people all around you that you think are thanked for what they do all the time and they're almost never thanked. All around you. Whether it's co-workers, whether it's family members, even if it's here in church, you think people probably all the time come up to, to Joan and tell her what a great job she did, does playing the piano. Or, or to Chris with the choir, or, or with Sean. Probably you think all the time people come up and they tell the people in the sound room, you guys, you guys, thank you for being up there. I know it's distracting and it's hard to be up there all the time. But you know what? It doesn't happen. So, do you, who here has been overappreciated this week? Right? Well, Miss Carol feels like she's been overappreciated, but I doubt we could get there. I doubt we could. She, she deserves it. I would say that nobody is getting enough of that. So give that genuine praise out generously. What kind of speech 
What are we talking about specifically? In Colossians 4, Paul writes here asking the church to pray for him. He says in verse number 2, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. He's saying, I want you to pray for us. I want you to lift us up before God because we, as missionaries, as those that are spreading the gospel, we need God's blessing so that we can give out the good news. You and I can take a lesson from this as well, knowing that he's speaking about giving out the good news and he's speaking to those that are without. What does that mean? Outside of, not a part of the family of God, not a part of the family of Christ. The, the term lost may even sound a little bit offensive as though you've done something wrong if you're lost, as though we found it and you didn't find it. No, that's not it. We were all lost and wandering around and someone came and found us. And now all we're doing is pointing people saying, this is, this is the way to go. Here, here's the straight gate. Enter ye in at it. And so it's not about us being better in any ways. But there is, and without a doubt, people around us every day that do not know Christ. And how we interact with them and how we treat them is of the utmost importance. And we need to view people as God does, with love, with patience. How patient has God been with you? Has God been patient with anybody other than me? Yeah, without a doubt, God's been very patient with me. And so I need to be patient with other people. But there's, there's some hard people to be patient with out there. Right? Right? Randy Johnson, stand up. Randy Johnson, would you, would you display your tie for everybody to see in this, in this room? Does anybody notice what's on his tie? Anybody see, anybody see, anybody see what's on there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't cuss in church. I heard somebody say it. Our dear friends, our dear missionaries sent out of our church. Love that state up north, that team up north. And after, and after yesterday, I am still called to speak to them with grace. Some people are easier to love than others, but we still must love them. Look in Romans chapter five. How do you love people that are unlovely? How do you love? I love you too, brother. I really do. See, that's how I know that I've been saved. My heart is different. <laughs> Romans chapter five and verse number five. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You have an unlimited supply of love. You have an unlimited supply of love. How? If you know Christ as Savior, the Spirit of God lives inside of you, and through him, his love is shed abroad. It's shined out from within you. You have all the love. By the way, that's another reason why I caution people that are in serious relationships, one person's a believer, the other person's not a believer, I caution people about that because the believer has an access to a, an unending love, an everlasting love with which they can love their spouse. But even the best that an unregenerate person can do will still leave them running out at some point. At some point, they will stop loving you because they do not have it in themselves to continue on and do that. Only in Christ do we find that power given. 
And that's how we love the unlovely and how we can speak graciously to people that are not happy that we're talking to them. Seasoned with salt. Colossians 4 and verse 6, it says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, we've talked a little bit about salt, if you were here for the opening message of this series about salt and light. Jesus oftentimes uses earthly things that people understand to teach us about heavenly things that maybe we don't grasp yet. He likes to use illustrations that we get. And he talked about salt. And salt, for us, is something that perhaps we watch so we don't eat too much of. And that's our relationship with salt. But back in Bible times, salt was necessary for life. There was no preservation of meat. There was no purifying of wounds, how they ought to be purified. It had a connotation with cleanliness in religion. It created thirst. It did make food taste good when used appropriately. It was something that they absolutely had to have. There were no refrigerators. And if you were going to keep anything fresh for any length of time, you needed to have salt. And so when he talks about salt here, he's talking about what is absolutely necessary for life to go on. And in the spiritual realm, what is absolutely necessary for eternal life to occur is that you and I need to be that salt, that difference-making, purifying presence in every situation we go into. We said in that, in that sermon that we need to season every situation. We need to bring God into every situation, whether we're in the doctor's office, whether we're at the library, whether we're at a store, whether we're at Thanksgiving dinner, whether we're gathered around our table in the evening with family or the first thing when we wake up or when we hit the job site or the office or the shop or the classroom, whatever it might be, we need to season and it's bringing that salt with us. And so here it's talking specifically about seasoning our conversation, our words with that salt, with godliness and the gospel. We have, and I couldn't find it the other day, we have a seed slash salt spreader here at the church. It's green, and it's almost always broken. <laughs> it's probably in the garage. Okay. What you do when, you, when it works properly is you pour the salt or the ice melt into the top of it, and you walk and you push that little green cart, and there's a spreader on the bottom. It turns based on the movement of the wheels, and it throws salt everywhere in a nice, even pattern. A person might go out there and throw a clump of salt, clump of salt, clump. But this thing spreads it evenly wherever you go, and it skips quite a long ways. I want you to get that in your mind about when I'm talking about seasoning something with salt. That, that's what I want you to think of more than just little sprinkle on the dinner table. That is covering the lot to melt the ice so that much area is covered by it. When we talk about seasoning with salt, we're talking about Surely, intentional gospel conversations where we're thinking to ourselves, this person may not know Christ. Let me tell them how I became a believer. Let me tell them about what Christ has done for me. Let me tell them about how I used to be and what the Lord has done. Has the Lord done anything for you? Do you, do you have joy now that you didn't have before? Has the Lord cleaned up any messes in your, life, in your lives? Has he pulled you out of the miry clay and set your feet upon a rock? Has he established your goings? Has he given you purpose? Has he given you meaning? Has he helped you to overcome the hardness of this broken world in every daily life? Do you think that anybody else might want that too? Do you think that God might be working in the hearts of other people to bring them to a place where they would hear exactly what they need to hear and you're a part of that whole equation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so there are surely times when we can, we can take that conversation as far as we can go to the gospel, but not just 
the intentional gospel conversations, all of our speech ought to somehow bring in God or godliness. All of our speech ought to do that, not just during intentional conversations, but when we speak. You know, that reminds me, you know what, that reminds me of what I heard at church the other day. You know what, I was reading something in my Bible about that. Or, praise God, isn't that great news? Isn't that just like him, right? To, to give God glory. You say, what about if I do that with people that don't know God? Even better. Even better. If, if the creator of the universe was your father and has given you everlasting life, if that was real, do you think you might ever talk about it with people? <laughs> do you think it might come up in conversation? People, uh, depending, depending on the person, not everybody, but there are, there are certain people that um, when they accomplish something, they let everybody know, right? I joke about um, CrossFit and vegans and other stuff like that because they always let you know right away whether they're into that or not. People are very, very quick to do that. But if God is real, and he is, and he's made a difference in our life, and he has, do you think that that ought to come out and talk to people? Uh, there's a, a, a magician, he's an atheist, his, his name is um, Penn Gillett, I believe, and, and he doesn't believe in God, and in fact, it speaks very negatively about religion of any type, but he most certainly doesn't believe in Christianity, but he posted a video online a number of years ago where somebody came up with him after one of his shows and tried to win him to the Lord, and, and he said to himself um, that he was polite, he wasn't interested in it, but he said, you know what, he was glad that the person did it. Because how terrible a person must you be to know the truth about eternal life and keep it to yourself and not try and tell somebody? He said, I don't agree with that guy, but at least he came up and tried to tell me, and that's the behavior that I would expect of somebody that honestly believes what their book believes. That's what he said. So we need to be intentional. We need to season our conversations with salt. And at the end of this verse, it says that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. We are to speak with everyone this way. How are we supposed to speak to every man? Well, with gracious words, seasoned with salt. With gracious words, seasoned with salt. Every man. By the way, God wants every man, woman, boy, and girl to be saved. He has gone to such great lengths that you and I might have a way back to God, even though we're the ones who broke the relationship through our sin. We were the ones that sinned against him, that, that impugned his character. He was the one who made things up for us. It'd be, like, um, it'd be like if somebody stole my car, somebody stole my car, and now they're in trouble with the law, and they need, they need a, a bail money paid, and even though they stole my car, I go and pay the bail money to get them out. You say, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He stole your car. Well, that's what the Lord did for us. We sinned against him, and he's the one who bailed us out. He was the one who suffered. We were the ones who did wrong, and he's been so unbelievably good to us, and he wants every man, woman, boy, and girl to know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 2, would you look there with me? It's important that we get this in our mind because at sometimes we think that person's too far gone. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk to her. This is going to be a mess. But it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. 
The death of the Lord Jesus Christ purchased the forgiveness of sins for how many men? All of them. Every single man, woman, boy, and girl. Look in 2 Peter while we're already in this part of our Bible. Look in 2 Peter. Chapter 3 and verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Who, who, who does he want to repent? Everybody. Look in Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2. Why am I taking us to so much scripture on this? Don't let anybody ever tell you that Christ didn't die for all men. Don't let anybody ever tell you that Christ's death was only for a few and that the gospel is only for some. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God will have, he desires to have all men. Now we know that they don't. Why? Because there's a choice involved. Either we respond to the grace that calls us or we reject the grace that calls us. But man is responsible. He has the ability to respond. And that is an important distinction. They must hear, though. And if we don't speak, they will not hear. In Romans chapter 10, we get wonderful news. I like wonderful news. How many of you like wonderful news? I like wonderful news. I don't get a lot of wonderful news these days. I get some. We get a lot of bad news. In Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wait a minute. What if they're really bad? Whosoever. What if they're on their deathbed? Whosoever. What if they don't look like us or speak like us or live like us? Whosoever. What, what if people that look like them did bad things to me? Whosoever. That's what this says. Isn't that good news? You're never too far gone. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it continues. It doesn't stop there. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I want to stop there for a second. Don't, don't get hung up on that word preacher. It is somebody who declares the truth, who sets forth, who proclaims the truth. You don't have to be ordained for this verse to apply to you. This is every man, woman, boy, and girl that knows Jesus Christ has the wherewithal to share how their life was changed. As, as Pastor Jenkins has said many times, it's just one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. That, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And it says they will not call if they don't believe and they will not believe unless somebody told them. And they're, they're not going to hear it unless somebody speaks. Do you know what the backup plan is if you do not share the gospel with people? There is no backup plan. There is no backup plan. And you know, you might say, well, well Pastor Steve can do it. He can. But... You're going to meet people this week that Pastor Steve's not going to meet. You're going to say, Pastor Bill, he can do it. Yeah, but you're going to connect with people in a way that I won't. You'll have gone through things. You'll have suffered things that other people, they, they, they need somebody to connect with to understand that. 
You've been given things and experiences that I don't have, opportunities that I won't have. And so when we, when we hear that they need to hear a preacher, that's not just them coming to church. Bring them to church. That's great. No problem. But that, the, the model was not designed by God for us to just bring everybody into this building so that they could hear the gospel. Did you know that there were no buildings for about 200 and some years after Christ began the church? Did you know that? There were no buildings. You know where they met? Joe's house. Under the big tree. By the river. Up on top of the hill. Who was it? It was people. What did their pulpit look like? They probably didn't have one. What were their pews colored? Probably didn't have any, right? It's not the people. Excuse me, it is the people. It's not the building. And so we need to make sure that we don't lose sight that God wants people to be saved. And they went out with the gospel. They didn't just bring people in. There's a book on missions by, oh, Gordon? I want to say it's by Gordon. The Holy Spirit and missions, A.J. Gordon. Where's Moses when you need him? He always knew. For those of you that don't know, there was a man who was a part of our church named Moses, and he knew every book ever. And I could look at him, and he, could just, he would just shake his head. He was the best. When I would be talking about Old Testament history and I'd get it wrong, I'd look at him real quick, and he'd just go. And I knew I got something out of order. Oh, that prophet didn't go with that king. He just knew. But in that book, he said, we need to stop bringing Christ, people to Christ, and we, start, we need to start bringing Christ to people. We need to stop bringing people to Christ and start bringing Christ to people, going out, speaking out with others. That's what this is supposed to be about, and to season this salt. So let's look at a few points of application. Very simple message. The first thing is to recognize that your speech matters to God. It matters what you say, and it matters what you don't say. And in fact, the Bible has a lot about keeping your, your words to yourself in it. Has a lot about being quiet. You know, silence is a, is a very good answer at times, at many times. God cares about how you say things and what you say, and there's great power in it. You can be blessed for your words, just like you can be blessed for your thoughts and your actions, and you can also sin in your words, just like you can sin in your thoughts and in your actions. What we're looking for is words that please God. Words that please God at home, at school, at work, with friends, and can I say especially online? There's this crazy notion that whatever happens on the internet's not real. Just because you're anonymous, just because you have some handle on there and you have some name, just because you, you've, you've got some identity online does not mean that you can sin with your words without repercussion. There is a Lord in heaven who sees. What happens online is not fake. It is very real. The repercussions of it are very real. And so we cannot separate in our minds what happens online from what happens in the real world because we still are exercising our thought in our speech. So recognize that your speech matters to God. Secondly, commit yourself to gracious speech. Decide now that you're going to change how you speak. Now maybe you say, I do a great job speaking with people. I am so kind at church. Everybody loves me at church because I'm so gracious with my words. That's wonderful. You say at the job, no one is better with clients, no one is better with customers, no one is better with the other employees than me. I, I just bring smoothness to the whole thing. That's fantastic. Can I ask you, how was your speech to your spouse this past week? 
when the kids weren't around, when the grandkids weren't around, when it was just you and him, you and her, how, how did you behave yourself? Young people, how was your speech towards your parents this past week? How was it towards your parents? Parents, how was your speech towards your children this past week? If I had an app on my phone and I could pull up all of the dialogue that you spoke and hear the intonation in your voice and how gracious you were, and I, I held it up to the microphone and I played it for everybody to hear, how many of you might run out of the church before it could get played? I know I wouldn't want it played. Why? Because we've got some changing to do. Okay, raise your hand if you're perfect in your speech. Okay, so we're not yet where we need to be, which means we need to change. Something needs to be different. We need to commit now and say, you know what? I am not going to raise my voice at home. I'm just not. I'm not going to do it. But they deserve it. Yeah, but it's not about them. It's about you. What kind of father do you want to be? What kind of mother do you want to be? They drive me crazy. Yep. We drive God crazy and he still loves us. You know what we have? The very love of God that covers a multitude of sins. You say, how, how, do, you, how do you overlook that? How do you deal with that? When they, they, we have access to a resource that people without Christ do not have. There is a supernatural reality to Christianity. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just a social group that we belong to. We honestly believe because the word of God declares and our lives testify that we have the true and living God inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Which means that you can do things in the power of the Spirit that people without the Spirit cannot do. And by the way, there's things that you cannot do even though you have the Spirit. There are things that you cannot do because you don't yield to the Spirit. You don't walk in Him. You allow the flesh. You know how I know that? I was there this week. I saw you there. Right? So things need to change. Things need to change. We need to commit ourselves. Not because they're good, but because God is and we want to be like him. Make a decision that the old way of speaking is getting evicted. We're done with that. Whether that's the language at work, whether that's the language with your friends, whether that's some of the stuff that you post online. Well, I mean, think about it. You are the salt and light for these people. You don't need to be getting your light dirty. Your salt doesn't need to be losing its savor because of how our speech is. And I say this as somebody, you ever met somebody that was just, they could cut you to pieces with their tongue. You ever met somebody like that? Um, speaking as a recovering person that cut others to pieces with his tongue, it, it is, God is not pleased with that. God dealt with me so thoroughly about it, and he still does. Commit yourself to gracious speech. And the last thing is I want you to practice seasoning your conversation with salt. And I say practice because I actually want you to practice. I want you to do something. Could I, could I grab two of my ushers? My two favorite ushers. Where are they? I don't know. There's four of them today, so we'll see, we'll see who they are. All right. What you're going to see, could you start passing these out and make sure that everybody gets a baggie? What you're going to see inside of this baggie is actual packets of salt. Please don't open them in the auditorium. <laughs> Poor Ella will have to be here vacuuming and cleaning. Or it's, not, it's not nice to them to do that. You, you, have, you have actual packets of salt. You have actual packets of salt. This is what I want you to do. I want you to take one of these in the morning... Tomorrow, beginning tomorrow, and I want you to put it in your pocket or put it in your purse, somewhere where you're going to see it. 
Tuck it inside of your wallet if you need to so that it's gonna, you're going to see that. And here's what I want. The goal is for you to get rid of this by the end of the day. But you're not allowed to get rid of it until you've seasoned some conversation talking about Jesus. You should have, you should have five in there. You only have six because I went to public... If you have six, I went to public school and that's why I can't count. So blame the teachers at North Olmstead, Right? So if, if you, I want you to have five of these, and there's more up here if you want it. Not just to season your food. This is an object lesson, okay? I want you to take this. You can't use it on your lunch. You can't use it to melt the ice off of your porch until you've said, you know what? That reminds me about something I heard in church. Or you know what? You want to know my plans for the weekend? We've got some fun stuff going on on Saturday, but let me tell you about Sunday. We have the most amazing adult Sunday school class. I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. Oh, this evening, I'm sorry, my kids can't. Play date doesn't work tonight because my kids go to one of the most amazing children's programs, master clubs. You don't think it's amazing, but if you've visited some other churches and seen their, their children's program, we're further along than you think it is, without a doubt. Until you said, you know what? I, I, I know what you're talking about. I struggled with the exact same thing until God gave me victory over that. Work out some little bit of conversation this week. I'm serious. Take this with you. Stick it in your pocket. Stick it in your purse. And the idea is after I've said that thing, now I know I've seasoned a conversation with Saul. This is the reminder. This is the reminder there's a, some things, you know, you're never going to believe what I heard in this sermon. Or there's a hymn that speaks exactly about that. Take the conversation as far as it'll go. If it allows you to get to the place where you talk about salvation, wonderful. Wonderful. If you get all the way through it, great. If you get shut down, if they ask you questions and you don't know the answer, if you strike out, wonderful. You started the conversation. I'm not asking for home runs every time you get up to bat. I'm just asking you to swing. I'm just asking you to swing. So take these, put one in your pocket, and this week, see if you can't get rid of all five. Some of you might say, it's going to be easy for me to get rid of five of these. Well, there's a, there's a bowl with more in it. Take a few more if you need it. But the idea is to remind you so that when you go home today and the cares of this world and, and the sorrow from yesterday come boiling in on you, and you forget this message, tomorrow morning you're going you're to reach into your pocket and you're going to say, what is this salt doing in here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to speak to somebody today about the Lord Jesus. I'm supposed to season my conversation with salt. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment, please? We have in our church what we refer to as a time of invitation where we invite you to act on what it is that the Lord has spoken to you about. And I don't know what he's spoken to you about. You may be here today and you may have been really offended when I started talking about lost people because you might not be a church person and, and maybe somebody just happened to invite you along. Maybe they offered to, you know, they bribed you with lunch or something afterwards. I don't know. But maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're even watching or listening online and you say, I'm not really a church person. I don't know much about Jesus or about God when you started talking about the loss, when you started talking about having a life filled with joy and change and victory over your vices and sins, you say, that got my attention. That got my attention. And perhaps you'd be willing to say, I'm not, I'm not sure 
that when I die, I'll go to heaven. I'm not sure, but I'd like to be sure. I'd like to know. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to have that settled. Just between you and me and the Lord, nobody looking around. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Would there be anybody like that today, this morning, that would say by just lifting their hand up and right back down, I'm not sure I'm saved. Amen. Anybody else would say, I'm not sure. Just your hand up and right back down saying, that's me. I'm not sure. Amen. Thank you. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song. People will most likely be coming to pray. Some people will be praying right there in their seats. If you don't know Christ as Savior, I want to encourage you, just as others are coming, you slip out. Come and speak to me and say, Pastor, I'm not sure. And someone will take you aside privately, a gentleman with a gentleman, a lady with a lady, and show you how you can know without a doubt from the Word of God that your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your home. Don't leave without getting that settled today. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism or you want to join this church as a member. There may be people like that, but I imagine most of us feel like it's time to start seasoning. It's time to up my salt content in my conversation. And you want to try and be that light. You want to try and be that salt. And this week, you're going to try. You're going to make the intentional attempt. Maybe you even know who it is in your mind. But with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, would you be willing to say, just between you and me and God, so I can pray for you, this week, I'm going to try and be salting some conversations. Would you just slip your hand up? All around. Amen. I'm going to try and be salting some conversations. Anybody else? Amen. That's me. It's scary. I don't know who I'm going to talk to, but I'm raising my hand. Anybody like that? Amen. How many of you have a specific person in mind and you think that they, they need some salt? They need some salt. Would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. Amen. In just a moment when we stand and pray, I want to invite you to come down to this altar and bring their name before the Lord and ask him to prepare their heart and to give you boldness to do it. Whatever it is that God has spoken to you about, would you say yes to him? Let's pray together. Father, take this time of invitation and help your children to obey you out of their gratitude, how much they love you. If there's any here that don't know you as Savior, may they have the boldness and the wherewithal to get right today with you. Help them. Help all of us to be salt and light. In Jesus' name, amen.